Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 759, air date September 1st, 2020. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Jennifer Bennett. I am a mother and a proud volunteer for the Shiva for Senate campaign. I've had the privilege of being on the road with Dr. Shiva over the past few days, and it's been so exciting. Um, we've been all over the state of Massachusetts, and we have incredible turnouts wherever we go. So thank you, everyone, for being here today in Barnstable. Um, thank you for all of the volunteers across Massachusetts, across the United States, and the globe. This is truly a bottoms-up movement, and it's very, very exciting. So Dr. Shiva um, celebrated a very special day yesterday, which was his invention of email. 38 years ago, when he was a 14-year-old boy, he created the first email system. So we had a lot of fun giving out certificates and so forth for the first copyright. If anyone here would like that, please just reach out to us at Shiva for Chief. Senate at Shiva for Senate and you can, we can get you a copy Chief. as well. So um, tomorrow is a very, very important day, right? September 1st, the Republican primary. Make sure that you ask for the Republican ballot, the Republican ballot. And you know, this is all beyond left and right. I've never been a political person. I have um, never voted in a primary before in my life. Never thought I'd be involved in a campaign. But Dr. Shiva's message is so, so important. And as a mother of a three and a half year old boy and another baby on the way, I know that Dr. Shiva is the only person running for U.S. Senate, the only person that truly has our backs as mothers and as parents. And it's just so important to me that, um, you know, for me, I had to take personal responsibility. I was ready to run to the mountains. I was done with all the nonsense. And um, I wasn't taking responsibility. I was allowing bad people to get elected, right? And just letting them put us in this disaster that we're in right now. So with a Truth, Freedom, Health innovation tour, um, we have a bunch more stops this afternoon and tomorrow. So make sure you go to shivaforsenate.com, go to the events page and tell your friends so they can come meet Dr. Shiva for themselves. And I need everyone here to take an action after this. And please, please, please send a text message to 10 of your friends and ask them to do you a favor, to do themselves a favor and to vote for Dr. Shiva tomorrow. So without further ado, um, Dr. Shiva has four degrees at MIT, right? He's a scientist, he's an innovator, he's the inventor of email, so please welcome him. All right, thank you. You notice we have we do everything here on this campaign. You won't find too many Senate candidates adjusting the volume, directing backstage, adjusting the mic, but um, that's what working people do, right? We do the work. These other people do not do work. They're liars and they're cheaters and they don't work. And that's the kind of people we started electing and we gotta stop doing that. We gotta start, stop putting people that uh, in power that represent us. And the only way you can, they can represent us is if they're one of us. It can't be somebody from above, a Kennedy or someone from Hollywood, uh, and us thinking that somehow they're going to represent us. It's never occurred, right? And that's a mistake that uh, keeps happening over and over and over again. So what I want to talk about is a couple of things. 
um, I want to talk about, you know, I'm an educator. I like, Jen will tell you, I like educating. It's sort of in my blood. But I want to make sure that we all are clear that 2020 is going to be one of the most important, if not the most important election since probably what occurred in 1776. And the reason I say that is because we're at a point in human history and in American history, we're at a crossroads between freedom and slavery. That's where we're at. Do we take the path of freedom forward or do we devolve into slavery? And we're literally at that point. This country was built on the fundamental premise of freedom. And I know that in a very deep and profound way because I grew up as a low caste untouchable in India. India had a caste system. At the top of it were the, you know, the priesthood, right? The people who think they knew it all, the academics. And at the bottom were all of us. And in between, there were a couple of other layers, the politicians and the, the business people. But fundamentally, it was an aristocracy. My family was supposed to be coconut pickers the rest of our life because everyone was supposed to stay in their lane. That was the ultimate racism. They divided everyone up, and you stay in your lane, you need to divide people up. By the way, that's the real definition of racism. Racism isn't calling people names and all this kind of stuff. Racism is using race and differences to divide people up. Divide people by black and white, or by, by anything. And that's what these politicians do. In a recurring pattern, every election cycle, they figure out a way to divide us. The current, current you know, model that they're running is BLM over here and the people who support the police over here. They want to separate people from the police. The people and the police have always been united. They've always been united because they're part of us. And what they want to do is they want to create a fake narrative that if you're part of BLM, you're supporting black people. In fact, if you look at most of these people who are putting those signs in, they're doing it because they don't give a damn about black people. They care about themselves. And they're doing it to basically absolve them of some guilt. That's what they're doing it. And over and over again, if you look at the history of civil rights, we've never solved the issue of racism in this country because the Democratic Party has consistently taken advantage of black people. Trillions of dollars have gone into these programs and still in the inner cities in this country, we never put the investment into infrastructure. What do I mean by infrastructure? The roads, the bridges, the water system, the right schools, etc. That's what should have been done after civil rights, but they never did that. In fact, in Massachusetts here, because of Faker Baker, Charlie Baker, who by the way now wants to promote vaccination for all, Massachusetts has an F minus minus in infrastructure. Infrastructure is the roads, the bridges, all those things that make this country great. In the early 1900s is when the American working people like us rose up. We rose up and we demanded infrastructure. We wanted clean water, sanitation, highways, roads, the ending of child labor, nutrition. And if you look at in 1900s, 14 out of 100,000 people had infectious diseases. 14 out of 100,000, keep that number over here. By before the measles vaccine even came in 1963, you know what that number had dropped down to? 98% of measles was wiped away before the vaccine because of infrastructure. People started getting vitamin A. Vitamin A protects your cell walls from the virus even entering. We had sanitation, hygiene, etc. Long before vaccines, 98% of infectious diseases were wiped away. And that was not because of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. That's just a lie. It was because all of us had had enough 
We rose up, bottoms up. That is American history. Black people, white people, all people rose up against a real enemy, which was a finite set of people who thought that they were better than us. And from those struggles, we got all that infrastructure. Well, today, that infrastructure is an F minus minus, okay? It's quite, it's a disgrace. In the state where MIT is, where you have some of the brightest minds, the best mechanical engineers, civil engineers, Massachusetts is, and, and to give you the precise number, it's 125 points out of 360 rated by the American Society of Civil Engineers. Just, just let that sink in. I know many of your mothers here, if, you're, if your kid came back with a C or a D, you'd probably be upset, something's wrong. If he came back with an F, you'd be upset. Now if he came back with an F minus, You'd be really upset if you came back. If you weren't, something's wrong. Okay, unless you want to give him a trophy for that. And he came back with an F minus minus. You'd be really upset. But Charlie Baker and the corrupt politicians, a lot of them lawyers, think you should get a trophy for that. And they give themselves trophies. Charlie Baker has somehow finagled himself uh, to be the number one best-rated governor. Okay, this has nothing to do with reality. It has to do with a PR insidious machine of an incestuous group of people. It's like the emperor has no clothes. No one wants to say it. Massachusetts got an F minus minus and the Democrats and the Republicans pat themselves together, right on their back. Brought to you by the Kennedys, Ed Malarkey, Joe Kennedy, all of them. They're all part of this. And in a recurrent process, they keep going and telling black people they're the fighters against racism, right? That's what they do, they fool people. I mean, we were at a, we did our own rally in Pittsfield. We had about this many people. The Black Lives Matter guys show up. They start listening to us. And they were very confused because we actually had more black people at our rally than theirs, okay? It was sort of sad. And they started really listening, some of the people who've been confused by them, the definition of real racism. It's using race to divide people. That's the definition of racism. I was called all sorts of words. That's not racism, that's ignorance. The American working class white people have never been racist. The real racists are the liberal elites in the one mile radius around Harvard University who think they know better. They're the ones who create racism. Elizabeth Warren is a racist. She used race, she used race to get her job. That's racism. When Marty Walsh, in 2017, we had a free speech rally in the Boston Commons. Some of you may remember this. About 40 of us showed up because we felt there was not enough open dialogue. We invited left people. John, John uh, Medlar right there was the organizer. He, he was a student and he felt that American school systems were breaking down him and his other high school friends. They said, let's have left people, right people, all sorts of people, just talk. Well, that was scheduled for August 19th, 2017. A week before that, Charlottesville took place and Marty Walsh, who was running against a black guy for mayor, Baker was running against a Hispanic guy, used that opportunity to brand that rally because one guy was some right winger as a Nazi event. I was called a Nazi, a white supremacist, a member of the KKK. But to let you know who I am, I didn't back down. The, the guy who was actually the quote unquote the right winger didn't show up, he ran away. But 40 of us showed up. It was us and the Boston police facing off 40,000 people. You can look at it, 40,000 people who came to lynch the white supremacists, okay? 
So this is what, and who, who did that? Marty Walsh, a Democrat, and quote unquote, a Republican, because the, Baker, who was running against, who were running against minorities. You see how this works? That's racism. They use race to divide us. They don't give a damn about ever resolving racism because if they did, they would resolve the infrastructure issues. Because ultimately, we solve inequalities, we solve racism, we solve all these problems by having infrastructure. That's how things have always gotten solved. Eisenhower laid down those amazing highways, right? That's how we solved American infrastructure. One dollar in investment in infrastructure returns six dollars. One dollar in giving away free stuff, you lose 60 cents. So what do politicians do? These lawyer lobbies who have no jobs. Lawyers make money. How do lawyers make money? They find a problem, prolong the problem, and cha-ching, 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 they bill by the hour. You and I, if you're a mother, you don't bill by the hour. If, you're, if you run a company and you have something to deliver, you're a plumber, or you're an electrician, you're a construction person, if you don't finish that job, your invoices don't get paid, right? Lawyers get paid no matter what happens. You follow what I'm saying? So do What's that? So do politicians. What's that? So do, so do politicians. But most of them are lawyers. 70% of politicians in governance in America are lawyers. That's why it should be term limits too. That's why we need term limits. That's why I'm gonna only run one term. And I explain why. Six years is a long time. Washington couldn't wait to get back to his farm. Anyone who wants to be in there and make a job of it, suspect. Why do you want to be in there 12 years? So why is this interconnected? Because the number, there are three issues that most of us have in mind. Economy, number two issue according to the Gallup poll is racism, and the third is healthcare. They're consistent. And these lawyers have not solved any of those issues. They don't know how to solve problems. Why? They make money by prolonging problems. Get, everyone should get that clear, right? The longer your divorce or your dispute goes on, they make more money. Lawyers don't make any money if you say, hey, look, I want to settle with that quickly. Oh, really? You really want to do that? They don't want to settle quickly. They want the issues prolonging. You and I want, we need stuff done quickly. Big difference. They're not one of us. That's what we have to take away. They're not one of us. I'm running against three dumb lawyers. One of them, Malarkey on the Democrat side. One of them, Joe Kennedy, who never worked a day in his life. Nice private schools. Then he gets to go to Harvard Law School. And right out of that, he got a job, right, Richard? Assistant the DA. District ass assistant DA I'm in Cape Cod. Beautiful, right? He gets to hang out and go to the beach, etc. And then he gets to run for U.S. Congress and the Senate. No qualifications. Listen to him talk. You feel like it's a black hole, like your soul is going to be removed from you. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. All they have is beautiful pictures, Camelot, keep repeating those, pounding those pictures away as though they're somebody. But if you look at the history of that family, rape, murder, right? That's what they are. If you and I did that and we didn't have those nice pictures, we'd be in jail. And yet they're the institutionalized corruption in this country. They're institutionalized corruption. Every piece of scotch that's sold, they get it a cha-ching, 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 right? That's what the father did for them. Joe Kennedy sold out this country. He shorted the stock market. That's how he made money. Look at how people make money. We gotta judge them. How did you, did you sweat? 
Did you work hard? Were you an in integrity? Did you create something? Where did your money come from? Or did you screw other people? You have to pay, if you believe there's a God, you believe there's, you know, you have to pay for that. You have to look at these people. We, you must understand that working people like us, we don't do that. But yet we represent them to think they're gonna be different. They're gonna represent us, they don't. They're fakers. Faker Baker, Charlie Baker is an aristocrat. That's what he is, he's a red coat. He should have gone back to England. Same with Bill Weld, same with Mitt Romney. Bill Weld, a Republican governor, you know who he's endorsed in the Senate race? Joe Kennedy. Think about that. Charlie Baker doesn't even recognize I'm running. He said, Ed Markey and Joe Kennedy will make good senators. Think about that. He's the one who just approved forced vaccination of the flu shot for young kids based on fake science. So when we look at our campaign, Truth, Freedom and Health, the reason it's taken off is because it resonates with mothers, it resonates with working people, and it resonates with innovators and small business people, all three people. We've intersected this triangle. Typically those people who are into health, you know, the people who did yoga and organic foods, right, who were out Western Mass, who you thought were the new age people, they were over here, and they had good ideas. And over here were the First and Second Amendment people who stood for freedom. And then over there was the people who are the small business folks who are into science and innovation. We've intersected all three. It's never happened before. That's why 60% of our campaign are people who've never voted before. They're putting up lawn signs. They participate in our campaign because finally they have a reason to vote because it's not another lawyer. It's an MIT PhD who busted his bonds, got four degrees, started seven companies, built stuff bottoms up, grew up in the working class towns in New Jersey playing baseball. He's a very good baseball player, by the way. Could throw, throw better than Fauci any day. Okay? Right? Um, and I did well in school. As Jen said, by the time I was 14, because I knew how much this country offered, I worked very hard. I finished calculus by the ninth grade, went to NYU by the, by, by, at the age of 14, started working full time as a research fellow at what is now known as Rutgers Medical School, where I did indeed create the first email system. But I was doing medical research trying to understand why young babies were dying in their sleep. And I wrote some papers on this. But at the age of 14, I converted that old-fashioned inter-office mail system. Anyone over the age of 40 remembers that, right? The typewriter, the secretary, the inbox, the outbox. You'd write that thing called a memo. Remember that? To, from, subject. That's how all offices ran with the, with the yellow envelope with the tie rib. And you'd put that in the pneumatic tubes. It was the inter-office mail system. I'm not talking about sending simple electronic messages. I converted that entire system, wrote 50,000 lines of code as a 14-year-old kid, because, and that could have only occurred in America, because some very wonderful adults, 50, 60 years older than me, allowed me to work and treated me as an equal. That never would have occurred in any other country. It occurred here, and that 14-year-old kid converted that entire system, got every feature, named that system email, because the operating system only allowed five characters. It wasn't because I was some, there's a limit. And then on August 30th, 1982, yesterday, I was issued the first US copyright at a time when that was the only way to protect software inventions as the inventor of email. Forgot about it. You know, was probably too humble. About six years later, the editor of Time Magazine 
a friend of mine came to my, said, Shiva, you invented email because my mom was dying in a beautiful suitcase. All of these artifacts were left. And he said, Shiva, you invented email. You should get some publicity. He called the senior editor of Time Magazine, only journalist, not a fake journalist to review it. He wrote a wonderful article called A Man Who Invented Email. You can look it up, November 11, 2011. Three months later, it went into the Smithsonian and I was honored as the inventor of email. Washington Post reporter wrote a beautiful article. Right after the truth came out, her editor threw her under the bus. The liberal academics called me a fraud, all sorts of horrible names. I don't even want to mention them. And that was done by an organization called Gawker Media, which is the one that released the sex tape on Hulk Hogan. They made money by clickbaiting. Well, it took me four years to finally find a lawyer who's now President Trump's lawyer, Charles Harder. He looked at it, he goes, oh my God, you did invent email. He sued. We sued Gawker for $35 million, drove them into bankruptcy, which they deserve to be. And they paid me the money, pulled down those three articles, and all the liberals said, oh, this is an attack on free speech. No, it isn't. You can't do defamation and libel. Free speech protects, protects truth not defamation libel. We won, and the irony of it was, the karma of it was, I was named the chairman of the bankruptcy committee to sell them. We have to fight. We have to fight for truth, we have to fight for justice, we have to fight for freedom and health. But you have within me a fighter, and I've fought all my whole life, guys. Not only as a scientist and as an inventor, getting all those degrees, starting companies, but I'm a fighter. We deserve someone like me. You deserve one of us. We've all been fed like whoppers. You know, like garbage food, and finally have a home-cooked meal right now. That's what we have with this candidacy, and we deserve that. That's what the founders of this country were. They were amazing people. They were children of the Enlightenment. They knew science. They knew engineering. They worked. They fought. They were like Renaissance men. People like Franklin and Jefferson. They were workers, blacksmiths. These guys? Look at them. What are they? It's a disgrace. You know, as the head... So the tail, right? We got to look at who we are electing as leaders. And that's what 2020 is about. Do we want any more lawyers? Do we? No. Do we want them? No. Because if you look at the wonderful data that was done, a beautiful, beautiful piece of research on, they did, a, they did a very interesting analysis looking at the percentage of lawyers and governance in a country on one axis, on the x-axis, and the y-axis, they looked at the percent of prison incarceration, which by the way, prisons are a big business, you know that, right? Hillary Clinton invests in them, probably owns some of them. She gets funding by the people who run private prisons. By the way, Robert Kennedy endorsed Hillary Clinton three times, okay? He claims he's fighting for vaccines, complete liar. These are the fake, these are the misleaders in the movements. They say one thing and they do another and then we rationalize it. But anyway, that research showed something very interesting. The higher the percentage of lawyers and governance, the higher the income inequality. I mean, it's almost a perfect line. We were number one in that high levels of lawyers, highest levels, and the highest levels of income inequality. Argentina was number two, which you know what happened there, income in massive hyperinflation. That's where we're headed. Today, we have 600 billionaires. In the last three months, they made $2.3 trillion. Did you know that? They eat 600 people, from Bill Gates to these guys like Zuckerberg, essentially made money off the coronavirus fear-mongering scam. That's what happened. The biggest transfer of wealth just took place. 600 billionaires 
consolidated increase their income by two increase their worth by 2.3 trillion dollars and these are the same people who talk about black lives matter meanwhile the average net worth of a black person in boston is eight dollars eight dollars and low income white households went from forty thousand dollars down to twenty thousand dollars we're putting people on the plantation we want them to remain on the plantation and this thing with the coronavirus fear-mongering scam is about power, profit, and control. It's not about truth, freedom, and health. And all those politicians slept. They slept while this was allowed to occur. I will never sleep for you. I was the first guy who called out Fauci. I raised 100,000 signatures, took it down to Trump. I got a call from the White House. I was the one who wrote to the president and I said, we need, you cannot isolate, we shouldn't be shutting do this lockdown. I said, you need to take a set of people who are truly immunocompromised, beef them up with vitamin D3 and vitamin A. The rest of us, we should be getting, you know, maintenance doses of vitamin D3, A, zinc, iodine. And I got a call back. They listened. The point is that I led. No other scientist said anything against Fauci because they're all like this with them. The good news is I got that MIT PhD. I'm sure MIT and the elites wish they never given me that. Okay? Because I've weaponized that PhD and I'm pointing it back at those. Because my loyalty is to you. Because I'm one of you, you're one of me. It's not to them. It's not to Charlie Baker. It's not to Mitt Romney. It's not to Elizabeth Warren. It's not to Jeff Bezos. It's not to MIT or Harvard. So we have to win because you finally have one of you fighting for you. You have one of your sons right here, right in front of you. So we have to win. And 2020 is that decision point, freedom or slavery. What do you think of the new plasma that, that President Trump was talking about? So the question is, what do I think about the new plasma? And the hydrochloroquine. Yes, the so hydrochloroquine. Good question. So look, the, the most important thing to understand in all of this, if you take a big step back, is I'll ask you a question, I'll answer it. Does a virus or a, a bacteria pathogen kill you? Virus comes. What do you I think? Would say, I would say a bacteria can kill you. Okay. So the question is, does a virus or a pathogen come and kill you? Okay? Let me tell you what actually occurs. You have, you know how many bacteria you have in your body right now? How many do you think? Thousands. I don't know. You have 60 trillion bacteria. Okay? You know how many cells, human cells you have that make you up that we see? You have only 6 trillion cells. 10 times more of you is bacteria. You're a walking jungle of germs. That doesn't end there. Then you have 60 times more viruses. You have 380 trillion viruses on you. You're pretty dirty. I'm pretty dirty, right? We're all pretty germ-filled jungle mobs. That's what we are. You only have 6 trillion cells, but you have 380 trillion viruses, and you have six, 60 trillion bacteria, okay? That's the truth, that's the facts, that's the science. It's one is called the virome, that's the 380 trillion uh, viruses, and the 60 trillion bacteria is called the microbiome. And we don't even know how they all work together, but they're with us. Now, you think that God would have given us if they were gonna all kill us? No, they're part of you, and they're part of me, and they're part of everyone here. The truth is, this is the real science. And by the way, you won't hear this from Kennedy or Malarkey or Charlie Baker, you're gonna hear it from a guy who got this training because of this great country that allowed me to get that. 
and I'm using all that knowledge so we can win. So now, what happens when a pathogen or virus comes at you? Well, if you're healthy, if you have a healthy immune system, which means you get proper vitamin D3, you get out to the beach, you have good friends, friendships, number one reason, you have a strong immune system, friendships, going to church, number one reason. Because when you have friendships, and this is proven by the 1988 New England Journal of Medicine, and by the work of Stephen Cole, your body is a pharmaceutical machine. It creates antimicrobials to blow up viruses. So when you have a healthy immune system, your body gets something, it's got its sensors that say, oh, there's a virus. It puts up some response, and guess what? You get stronger. It's called resilience. It's like if you, if you never work out, you're gonna be, the first day you go to work out, you get aches and pains. Then you go work out again and again and again, you get strong. That's called resilience. So if you have a weakened immune system, the best analogy I can give you is to have a car with no shock absorbers. You hit a bump, what happens? The whole car starts attacking itself. If you have a weakened immune system, and this is the key that they don't wanna talk about, your body overreacts and it doesn't just attack the, the 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 surface of that virus and try to take it out it attacks the tissues that that virus hangs out in which could be your lung in the case of coronavirus in the case of ebola the virus goes lands in near your heart and your endothelial and that's why you start bleeding it's not the virus is eating you up sanjay gupta doesn't know what the hell he's talking about he's an md he doesn't study the immune system and he's part of the medical machine but you're talking to a guy who got his PhD in this, who was invited by the National Science Foundation six or seven months ago to give the lecture on the modern immune system. So they got a problem here. So do you understand? It's, it's a weakened and overreactive immune system that attacks itself. So what's the real solution? A, if you have a strong immune system, your body is able to handle this. And when a virus comes into you, it goes through four, four phases. First, the virus tries to enter your cell, right? Like a lock and key, like a thief coming in. Then once it gets in, it tries to replicate itself. And then it tries to reassemble itself, step three, and it tries to take itself out. So hydroxychloroquine, what hydroxychloroquine does, it stops the key. It stops, it basically puts a padlock so it can't stick the key in. That key process is called glycosylation. Okay, so hydroxychloroquine is very good at making sure the virus can't get in. If it gets in, if you have to take it with zinc, zinc stops the replication process, like the, it, it throws a wrench into the Xerox machine. So I, I did a series of videos explaining this. And by the way, when research came out about hydroxychloroquine in Lancet, which is a medical journal, they said hydroxychloroquine will kill you. This is, by the way, one of the leading medical journals in the world. Someone said, really, can I see the data? Show me the data. Show me the money. Oh, we don't have the data. Well, where's the data? Turned out that they don't have the data. Made up. That paper got retracted. This is what's going on with science. Fake news behind fake news today is fake science. And it's brought to you by Big Pharma. That's what's going on in this country. And no one will call them out because they don't have the technical training, nor the guts, nor the will to do that. I do, because I, I haven't sold out, and I never will. 
but they will. That's why no one called out Fauci. That's what you have in me. You have someone who's got all those degrees, but who remembers where he came from. And I know where my loyalty is. That's why this election is so important. We have to win. We gotta win. You have one of us. So does that answer your question? I hope you're, uh, so anyway, the takeaway here is the right, the right medicine for the right person at the right time. You can't give everyone the same thing. All right, that's the myth that they're doing. That's how they're getting away with, everyone should get the same vaccine. So it's not pro or anti-vax. The issue is you gotta find out what's right for you. And what's right for you comes with you having a relationship with your practitioner or your doctor, not 10,000 people between that relationship. The IRS, the, uh, the GPOs, the PBMs. By the time you walk into a doctor's office, he's not even looking at your face or your tongue or anything. He's there typing away on the computer, right? So we've destroyed the patient-doctor relationship. So if you go on the website, there's an act I have called the Health Rights Act, which says how we regain health rights sovereignty. The number one way we do that on the vaccine thing is we must repeal the 1962 Vaccination Act. That's, what, that's a real solution. Robert Kennedy and Ted Kennedy, all these people have been trying to save their legacy. They make money off the anti-vaccine movement. Children's Health Defense Fund is a disgrace. They haven't won any battle. We won in New Jersey. They lost in New York. They lost in California. It was until I got involved, because I'm the guy from the streets, I said, uh-uh, we gotta raise a bottoms-up movement. We gotta put the fear of God into them. And that's why the legislators didn't even take up that bill. We called a protest on the Boston Common. They now are getting involved in protests, and that's why you gotta be careful. These people hijack movements. They're cheaters and they're liars. They watch which way the wind blows. Oh, let's do a protest now. So it's time we wake up. You had a question, sir? I do. I have tried to ask this question several times on your website and other, other venues, and I've not gotten an answer yet. I am a retired uh, pastor. I'm a retired Army chaplain, career Army chaplain. And the sanctity of life is absolutely critical to me to vote for any candidate. I have not found anything substantive about your position on the sanctity of life and abortion on demand. Can you please elaborate? Yes, yeah, so if you go to our website, if you go to the issues section, there's a I, video I've done on it. I did the it's, other day and it was not there. Oh, okay, so there, it, well, I'll send you a link to it. If you haven't, I'll send it to you. So Scott Lively just endorsed me. So here's my issue on the pro-life issue. I believe the conservatives are not pro-life enough, and let me explain that. So from a biological fact, and the problem is people do this argument getting into he said, she said, but from the biological fact, 120 papers have been written that life begins at conception, period. It's a scientific biological fact. When the sperm and the ova meet, life begins. So anyone says they're not killing something is lying. So that's my position, independent of my relationship with Christ and you know from a spiritual perspective. Second, after a baby is, is born, what I believe the conservative movement has forgotten is to talk about the sanctity of life when the child is growing. And we put Roundup in here, we put chemtrails up there, right? And GMOs. There are a lot of conservatives who are into pro like, like I am, but they let Monsanto get away with their nonsense. That too is pro-life. So I'm pro-life to the power of two. That's who I am. And if you want me to make it clear, we can take this video and we'll post it also. I wish you would. Yeah, definitely. I've tried four times. Oh, get, really? Okay. Yes, sir. Did you get Scott Lively's email? No, I did not. Okay, so Scott Lively, if anything, was attacked for his pro-life position. So, so Scott was a pastor who ran against Baker. 
and they attacked him for his pro-life stance. So, but I want to make it clear, to me it's a scientific fact. And I don't think I've met anyone who's had an abortion who's not felt bad at a very fundamental conscious level. So I'm saying that it's a, from the perspective I bring, takes it out of the realm of even in some ways religion. It goes back to a fundamental science. The epithelial forms, there's two lives. And I want to take it even a step further, that when we inject that mother with vaccines, that's hurting that baby. That's against pro-life. And when that baby comes out of the womb and we have atrazine, when the kids go playing you know, on the playground, which by the way changes sexes, we can have a long, longer discussion about this, all right? Which does, by the work, you know, you can, you know, so we can get into this. But we are destroying life after birth too. Agreed. Yes. If you would make it more clear, if you win this primary, I really implore you to make it much more clear to the general population. Yeah, so I've been making it clear. However, the GOP establishment has actually gone to websites and said that I believe I'm, I'm pro-choice. This is what they do. So I hope you also help in making it clear from what you've heard today. Because what we're fighting is an insidious enemy, which does not want one of us. So it's not only me. You know, I, I'm the guy who, I never, by the way, I have a clean voting record. You know how clean my voting record is? The only guy I ever voted for was for Trump. First time I ever voted. I, if, I was young, if I was old enough, I would have voted for Reagan. Two guys that I admire a lot. I never voted for anyone else. In fact, I donated to Trump. I take, you know, the Trump family knows me. I got a call from the White House. They have this fool that Baker has, who is now a Trumper who was saying, he, you know, Trump is divisive. And the GOP establishment went and found this fool, Jeff Deal, who fooled all of you guys. He photoshopped a picture of Trump. There's three hands in the picture. I was the one who exposed that. The actual picture is Trump pointing at him because he stole data from Trump. And if you know, remember, in the last election cycle, Trump endorsed every Senate candidate except in one state here. So it's time that we also start defending people like me what I stand for, because I'm telling you, the GOP establishment sure won't. They have made inner comments from a friend of mine who's a Navy SEAL. This is a comment that they said, we don't want a guy like him. It's not time for a guy like him. Now, what does that mean? Because they don't want, I mean, you can take it many ways. To me, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They don't want hardworking Americans. Comments to people are saying we're going to be late for New Bedford. Yeah, so, so we should get, we, okay. All right. We're gonna get, we got to get going to New Bedford. But anyway, any other questions? I hope that answers. But please help me clarify that. I mean, I've taken it from a scientific position, and I think that's why I'll be able to argue the pro-life issue in the Congress, because I'm going to take it out of this he said, she said. No, there are 120 papers written. All right, I got it. Clearly, I got it. Thank you. I got it. Thank you. And they locked, they locked a Wikipedia page, and they, like you said there. Yeah, by um, the way, they've locked my Wikipedia page. They say I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'm, what, my page is one of the most controversial pages on the internet. That's one of the senior Wikipedia editor wrote it. Wrote. Okay, thank you very much. Thank it's you. time we win. Please vote, as Jennifer said, in the Republican primary. Get at least 10 of your friends to vote.